You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky. This podcast was brought to you by APT, Astrophotography Tool. Hi everyone and welcome to the Astro Backyard Podcast. My name is Trevor Jones from astrobackyard.com. And my name is Steve Malia from ontariotelescope.com. And today we're going to talk cameras and specifically uh, CMOS sensors, uh, some of the different cameras and resolutions, cooled cameras, um, the Bayer pattern, all that fun stuff. Uh, there's always a lot of questions on that, especially when you're looking into a new camera. And my story is that uh, I started with the DSLR and uh, I thought I would always stick with the DSLR because uh, I just had so much fun with them. I was comfortable. Um, I used them for daytime photography. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to do was get into these um, very technical, dedicated astronomy cameras with cooling that you couldn't uh, easily use with a camera lens. Um, but that all changed when uh, Steve approached me about trying out the uh, Hypercam 183C. I, I apologize for any fun that I may have ruined. Um, <laughs> usually people are pretty appreciative when I say, hey, take this camera and try it out. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there, there, was, there was a 183C, which has turned out to be a, a phenomenal camera. Um, uh, best bang for your buck, I think, uh, for anyone who's looking to make their first purchase for an astronomy camera, a dedicated astronomy camera. Um, and uh, uh, you know it won't it won't break the bank. Um, it's it's pretty inexpensive compared to <laughs> other uh, cameras using the same type of sensor. And uh, I I also lent you uh, a ZWO camera uh, mm-hmm. earlier in the year, the ASI zero seven one MC cooled, right? Yeah. And that mm-hmm. one that that's a real performer as well. Again, another another good color camera, sixteen megapixels. Um, and that one actually uses the same sensor as a DSLR, right? It's an APS-C sensor. So that, um, there, there's a wide range of cameras that are available, and uh, um, they sometimes do share the same sensors as DSLRs, but then mm-hmm. you can take it to the other to another level. Um, but I'm going to start ranting, and I think you can probably <laughs> shed more light on on, so, uh, on this yeah, than I can. The wheels are spinning on that, so. Um, First of all, the 183C, the price tag is, let's just say it's the price of an entry-level DSLR with a, with a kit lens and everything. So I think people, I'm, I'm convinced people forget that that's the camera I'm using uh, as my day-to-day camera when I'm, they're comparing my images to ones that were taken with, say, a, a mono-cooled camera. Like, I mean, there's a reason you pay those extra bucks for a mono-cooled camera like the, uh, the ASI 1600M. But for this price tag, the 183C, you can get comparable images. You just have to work a little harder at it because you don't have that minus 20 sensor capturing those images. There's no there's no uh, tech, but it does have that internal cooling fan and that open design. So it's leaps and bounds cooler than just a DSLR sensor in that body, which was never meant to be taking five-minute exposures on a hot night. So are but you, the 183C was. Are you noticing a big difference in the quality of data that you get from the 183C um, versus a DSLR in terms of noise? 100%. Yeah. 100% night and day. Yeah. 
And actually, I'm uh, I'm going to be releasing a tutorial poking around, looking at some of the data from one of my 183C images. And uh, it's a really good representation of the amount of noise you can expect to see or the lack of noise in just a one hour worth of exposure time from my light polluted backyard. Yeah, and, and you know, something that just came to mind too is that with a dedicated astronomy camera, um, uh, you don't have to, you're not going to be modifying it, um, which is pretty popular with astrophotographers in a DSLR. You have a, a modified must. camera. Yeah, it's That's a right. must. And the moment that you pull off that filter from the sensor, uh, you voided your warranty. Um, uh, you're not going to be able to use it during daytime photography again unless you add in another $300 um, clip-in sensor uh, sort of filter. Um, yeah, you got to commit to it. And a lot yeah. of people are scared to make that jump. And I, and I totally get it if that's, your, if that's your main camera. Yeah. So it, so there's a lot of benefits to having a dedicated, dedicated camera. But, oh, totally. Uh, and then uh, back to that ASI 071 MC Cool. Um, people still ask me, even though it's been a while since I've had it, since Steve stole it back from me. Um, just kidding, you, Steve. You make it sound like I'm the bad guy here. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, thanks a lot for lending me this expensive camera to try out. Uh, no, but I fell in love with it, and uh, I, I still miss it dearly. And that was my first experience using um, a cooled camera. And, and thinking back to it, I, I went straight to minus 40. That's all I shot with. When that was probably pushing it a little too hard, I didn't need to do that. Even minus five uh, would have made a huge difference. But just because I could, I went straight to the max minus forty sensor. Yeah, it and it was in the and it was in the winter too, so like talk about overkill. But I couldn't believe the five minute subs I was looking at, and they had zero noise, like a five minute sub with zero noise. Uh, and I mean, it was a it was a learning experience for sure because that was my first time dealing with those fits files, but. My goodness, the, the potential for um, just beautifully made deep sky images because I can only imagine doing an eight-hour project with a cooled sensor like that without having to deal with noise at all and just playing with the data and pulling it all out. Uh, it's, it's, it really is an incredible camera, and it seems to be a very popular one too. Yeah, it, do, it does very well. I've got a lot of requests for it. Um, you know, we keep it in stock, and... Uh, um, it moves pretty good, um, and then there, there's other cameras in the same family, the 1600, which is available in color and mono. That's, mm -hmm. that's a whole other series of podcasts I think we can do on mono cameras. That's true. Um, and uh, uh, it it, perfor it performs really well, right? And and uh, it, it works with all software out there um, via ASCOM. So you know, if for a uh, a, a high, a mid-high range camera, um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it does it does really well, and and it, you know, I think it can hold its own against some of the really big guys out there. Um, but uh, you know, getting into uh, some technical things, uh, Trevor, you mentioned like Bayer patterns. Yeah. Why don't you explain what a Bayer pattern is to <laughs> to people that are listening? Because this is where things can get confusing. Um, especially with a color camera, because sometimes you could take an image um, and your preview looks like it's in black and white or mono right. or grayscale. And so, I, I've gotten calls from customers saying, hey, you sold me a, the wrong camera. Um, <laughs> so, well, you probably got a good deal then if you, <laughs> if you think it's mono for a price of color. But um, 
uh, there's some things you need to know about uh, mono cameras, uh, sorry, color cameras and how they work. Yeah, so that Bayer pattern is just the way that the sensor uh, absorbs the light and the photons from your deep sky object in your image. And uh, the Bayer pattern is the, the RGB, I, I believe they're called diodes. And so it's it gets very technical, but all you really need to know is that um, it's taking in the data uh, through that Bayer pattern to convert the image to color. And you need to debayer that to actually produce um, an actual um, visual spectrum, like RI color version of that image. And that was the worst description ever, but here's how it goes down. Those FIT files are going to be grayscale. They're going to look black and white, but by stacking them into Deep Sky Stacker and having the, the right uh, bare filter pattern, which for example, for the 183C is RGGB, uh, it will debayer that image and create the actual colors uh, when it spits that final image out. So uh, whether you have um, software that can preview a FITS file to debayer the image to see it in color, or you do it the way I do it, uh, where it just gets debayered through Deep Sky Stacker, uh, that has to happen at some point. So don't worry about the grayscale image you see uh, in the preview because uh, that needs to be processed for lack of a better explanation. You have a um, tutorial on how to use Deep Sky Stacker on, on your website, don't you, Trevor? So I, I do. She's getting pretty old, though. I think I need to do a new one. But Yeah, but the, the, the settings haven't changed that much, like where to find it really doesn't. pattern settings. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't played with Deep Sky Stacker before, uh, excellent piece of software. Uh, has a fantastic price tag of $0. Um, and for what it does, it you, you think you were paying for it. Um, or it be paid software, but that's right. Uh, it, uh, follow Trevor's tutorial on his website on how to set up Deep Sky Stacker, and, and uh, um, you'll get the results that you'd be hoping for. And I just wanted to talk, to talk about uh, binning real quick. My experience with it. So, uh, binning will increase the resolution of your image, um, not the actual size. It actually cuts the image in half. But the um, the details, uh, the pixels get smaller, so you get a, a crispier image. Um, and so with the 183C, I found that the files transfer more reliably to my old 2010 PC by binning binning them down two by two. So I get that um, the increased resolution uh, as well as have those more reliable file transfers. And so that knocks the final image resolution down to 2,700 pixels by 1,800 pixels, which you know isn't the biggest if I wanted to start making prints. Uh, but my my images are never go anywhere other than online. So if, if creating printing posters or something was something I wanted to do, I'd probably think about um, trying to reliably shoot uh, bin one by one frames um, rather than two by two. But I'm kind of hooked on the two by two, and I'll probably always do that when I when I have a uh, a dedicated astronomy camera with with binning controls. And just as a comparison, so the T3i I shoot with the 18 megapixel, the images are 5100 by 3400 pixels, uh, approximately. So that's a that's a pretty huge image. And when you have, have images that size, it uh, puts a lot of stress on Photoshop when you're doing running some of those actions because of course it's just a massive image. So when you bin two by two, uh, 
you have that smaller image, uh, things are going to run faster in the processing stage as long as you're okay with that, you know, that smaller overall image size. I mean, almost 3,000 pixels wide is still still quite a large image, especially if you're just planning to share your images online. Here's my two cents on binning. I've, I've never played with binning, so it's something I'm going to have to do. And now that I've got my uh, my small construction project happening, <laughs> um, it's, it's taken up a lot more of my time and more than I thought to put an observatory in my backyard. Um, and you're loving every minute of and it, I'm don't lie. I'm loving every minute of it. I am. It is awesome. Um, I get to use my, my power tools again. Um, I'm building yet another deck. Um, I think I'm going to have close to 650, 680 square feet of deck space in my backyard by the time this is done. <laughs> um, oh, man, I'm so jealous. It's so not it, fair. It, it, it's... Uh, it, it, it's a labor of love and uh, I picked up uh, a skyshed pod and they, they are amazing anyone who's ever looked at one or considered one I highly recommend them um, you know you deal with Wayne Parker uh, who's the owner and the, the designer uh, so you're not dealing with with um, someone who may not know he knows everything about the pod so if you have any questions he's there to, to walk you through so if anyone's thinking of doing it you know uh, a skyshed pod all the way it's a Canadian company, right? It is a Canadian company. You know, Wayne used to be the bass player for, or he still is a bass player for Glass, Glass Tiger. Tiger. Yeah. Right? That, that was so cool. When I went to his place to check out the Pod Max, I'm thinking, I remember seeing you guys when I was 10. Yeah. And I'm that's at your so house. funny. <laughs> I messaged him on Twitter. And I was like, oh my God, he talked to me, the guy from Glass Tiger. Yeah. I was like, I'm a huge fan. He's like, thanks, man. Yeah. No, and he's a good guy too. He really is. So um, yeah, it seems like it. And he's a very avid astronomer. He knows his stuff, and he makes great product, and it's used over the world. Um, uh, what people refer to an observatory, they call him a pod, even if it's not a skyshed pod. But it's like he coined the term pod, right? right? Yeah. Um, it's like, I, almost like the Steve Jobs of our of our industry, if you will. <laughs> um, there you go. But anyways, yeah, that sounds. Like, you know, I don't want to talk about my stuff all that much. Uh, bore people but uh no no very exciting stuff man once, once i get that then i'm gonna try binning my camera and uh see how that works out for me yeah so i think that uh wraps up our talk for today we went a little long but uh that's bound to happen when you're talking about something that uh, you get excited and nerdy about uh, and that's probably why you're listening to the astro backyard podcast because uh you can relate yeah exactly Thank you very much, Trevor. That was awesome information. Um, and we have uh, some more episodes in the works coming up for, for everybody. Um, again, we'd love to hear your feedback. We've seen some great pictures being posted on the Facebook group page. Um, keep them coming, please. Um, we love to hear from everybody. Uh, we have listeners all over the world uh, looking at the stats. We're getting messages from people in Zimbabwe, all over Europe, all over the U.S., Canada, um, it, it's just, just amazing, uh, the community that, uh, um, is within amateur astronomy and, uh, people wanting to share and learn. So it's such a global hobby, eh? Yeah. Astrophotography, we're just looking at the same sky. I mean, it changes, but we're, we're all in it for the same reason. It's well, beautiful. I, that's just it. I think you nailed it on the head, right? No matter where you are in the world, the stars are still the same, same place. Mm -hmm. And, and, that's uh, right. um, they make the same constellations and, and, uh, they're the constant 
right? That's right. It's universal. Yep, exactly. So we will talk to everybody next time. Thanks for listening. And uh, let your friends know. And, and uh, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. Thanks, everybody. I hope you get some clear nights this month. <laughs> yeah, clear skies, everyone. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>